surviving online classes as a blind or visually impaired student. Personally, I thrive in an online environment. I find it much easier to keep up with my classes and achieve better grades. I think a lot of that is to do with the fact that I can just sit down and focus on the material and what I'm learning without having to be concerned about how I'm going to get from point A to point B as I do when I am moving between physical classes on campus. However, I know that a lot of people are concerned about online classes. It's harder for some people to concentrate and stay focused when they're learning online and they have their TV close at hand or they can just get up and go get a snack, things like that. So I want to share some kind of organization and time management tips that have really helped me throughout my online education journey. Tip number one is to explore your online classes and contact your professors beforehand. Most online classes, at least in my experience, will open up a few days before classes are actually set to start. And I recommend going into those classes as soon as they are open and scrolling through them to learn where things are, what tools are going to be used, and things of that nature. If you can get in contact with your school's access office way beforehand, I recommend asking them if they can contact the professors and ask them how the class will be laid out and what virtual learning tools they will be using so that you can gauge whether or not the class is going to be mostly accessible from day one or if the access office needs to do some conversion in order to make sure you have access to all the class materials. If the class is taught primarily through Blackboard, like if the professor is just making Blackboard quizzes and things like that, you probably don't have much to be majorly concerned about. A lot of that is already accessible, assuming there aren't any crazy graphics or images or things like that. If it's a text-based class, like an English class or a psychology class, it probably is 99.9% .9 accessible from day one. If the class is using something like Pearson Mastering or McGraw-Hill LearnSmart, you should probably be concerned. In my experience, neither of those platforms is particularly screen reader friendly and I've had to have my access office put all of those questions in Word docs so that I could complete the activities outside of the virtual learning platform. That worked, but you do kind of need to give them a head start on converting all of that, otherwise you end up a couple weeks behind and you find yourself doing approximately two and a half weeks of work in a weekend. I also recommend reaching out to your professors as soon as you have contact info for them. Just say something along the lines of, Hi, I'm your blind student. Here is how to interact with me. You should have a list of accommodations from my access office, but here are some things that I have noticed about your class, and here's what I think the barriers will be, and here are some good things, and I'm looking forward to working with you this semester. That way, they know who you are, they know you cannot see them, they know that you may face some barriers in their class, but that you are already ahead of the game by looking at their class and trying to figure out what is going to be a problem and what is going to work well, and they will respect you for reaching out and being prepared. Tip number two is to put 
all of your syllabi into a calendar or task management app of your choice. Or write it down on paper or in a document if that is how you prefer to organize your life. You may think that you can keep up with what is due when, either in your head or just by looking at the schedule on Blackboard, but that is a lie. Do not lie to yourself. Put it somewhere that you will check every single day that will consolidate all of your classes on one calendar so that you're not looking at five or six different calendars for each class. You will thank yourself later in the semester when you're scrambling to figure out what test is when. Just trust me, I thought I could get by without doing this one semester and that was a terrible mistake and I ended up in putting my syllabi into a calendar app halfway through the semester. I recommend Fantastical. I know the iOS app is very accessible with voiceover. I'm not sure if there's an Android app slash how accessible it is, but this allows you to create recurring events for each of your classes, and then you can create tasks under each class event with a checkbox that you can then check off when you have completed that task. Also, Habitica is a really good task management slash habit tracker app. It sort of gamifies your to-do list and gives you points and makes cute noises when you check things off, which is unnecessary, but it is also very satisfying to have cute sounds play whenever I check off my essays. I will link both of those apps in the description on YouTube and the show notes for the podcast, and I'll also leave links to them in the blog post so that you can find them easily. Tip number three is to write anything that you think you might need to reference for a class in the future down somewhere that you will remember and be able to find quickly. You may think that you will be totally fine with scrolling back through a Blackboard class to find your professor's phone number or office hours when you need them, but that is not true. When you cannot access your midterm because your professor accidentally enabled a password and did not give it to you and therefore you can't get into Respondus Lockdown Browser to take your test with your screen reader, you're not going to want to scroll through that Blackboard class looking for their phone number so you can get a hold of them immediately because they don't check their email on a regular basis so you have to text them. What I do at the beginning of every semester is I go through the Blackboard class, I write down all of my professor's office hours. You could do this in a document or put it in the notes for the class in your calendar app. I personally put it in the notes in the calendar app and I also write it down in hard copy braille with a slate and stylus and put it in my notebook that I keep every semester. Yes, I am that person. I keep a hard copy braille planner with a slate and stylus. I also create a contact within my phone's contacts for my professor especially if they give you a phone number. If they give you a phone number, save that phone number because you're probably going to need that phone number at some point and you're not going to want to go back through Blackboard to find that. I also recommend writing down any meeting IDs that you're given. If your class uses Zoom especially, save the meeting ID because sometimes they might not send out the link for the meeting and you may need to manually input the meeting ID and you don't want to be scrolling through Blackboard for that. And I also recommend writing down grading information. Every professor tends to weight things a little differently. For instance, I have a class right now where the two major grades are a paper and an exam. The paper and exam are each worth 40% and the discussions are the other 20%. 
I'm really glad I read that and saved it. So now I know that I have to write a fantastic essay if I want to pass this class. You might have another class where the weekly quizzes are worth the majority of the grade, and it's important to know that. It's kind of hard to keep up with that information if you just keep it separated by Blackboard class. You will not go back and look at that information. I promise you. You are not going to go look at your grading scale every time you go to do an assignment. But if you put it in, say, the notes in your calendar app for that class, or write it down in hard copy braille as I do, you will occasionally see it and go, oh yeah, I need to knock that paper out of the park in order to pass this class. Tip number four is to constantly communicate with your professor. In an online environment, you do not see your professor face-to-face -face three times a week, typically. Most online classes are not meeting regularly via video conferencing. Most of them are just recorded videos or virtual activities online somehow that you kind of have to click through and interact with. Therefore, it is important that you take the initiative to stay in contact with your professor about where you are in their class, what's going on, what you need help with, anything like that. Don't be afraid to email your professor and ask questions when you're struggling. Most professors who are teaching online will be absolutely delighted to receive an email from you because that means you're engaging with the subject matter and most professors appreciate it when their students engage with the subject matter and genuinely put forth effort to learn and they will be happy to answer your email. If you get one who is not happy to answer your email then they're just not a great professor and that's not your problem. I recommend communicating with them Anytime you have a question about the material, let them know if you're struggling or what you particularly enjoy. Just stay engaged with the class just like you would if you were in a face-to-face -face class on campus, but this time it's via email. This is even better if you are lucky enough to have a class that does meet on a regular basis via Zoom or Collaborate or some other video conferencing platform. For instance, right now I'm in a comparative psychology class and we meet every single day via Blackboard Collaborate and the professor teaches as though it is a face-to-face -face class on campus. She also records the Collaborate session and posts it to Blackboard so you can go back and view it later. If you have that luxury of being in a video conference on a regular basis, engage with the professor. When they ask questions, answer them in the chat box or unmute and talk in the class. Treat it like you're in a real class, engage with it. If you are interacting, you're going to get participation points. Even if participation points are not an actual grade in the gradebook, I promise you, if you are participating in those online lectures, you're going to win some brownie points from the professor and they might just might cut you a little bit of slack if if you have a problem in another area of the class. Tip number five is designate a specific time and place for classes. It is very, very tempting to sit on your couch with your camera off sipping coffee and eating honey buns while you watch your virtual class lectures, but this isn't actually the best thing to do if you actually care about focusing and being productive. I recommend designating a specific spot in your habitat that is only for classes and productive things. For instance, I live in a small apartment, but I have a desk in here, which is where I'm sitting to film this video right now. This desk is only for classes and work. I do not allow myself to sit in this chair 
and mindlessly scroll TikTok. This is my productivity corner, and I am not allowed to sit here and do pointless things with my time. If I want to do pointless things with my time, I can sit on my couch or go out on my patio or lay in my bed, but I cannot do those things at this desk because if I allow that to happen, then when I sit down here, I will go, oh, now is a fantastic time to open Twitter, and then four hours later, I will remember that I sat here to do classwork and not to scroll Twitter. This actually has been psychologically proven. This is a study tip that every professor ever has probably given you, but speaking as someone who has done a lot of online classes, it works. I am infinitely less productive when I take my laptop to my couch or out on my patio and attempt to do classwork because those are not productivity spots. Those are let's scroll the internet spots. So it really does help if you have a specific designated place where you sit solely for classes and or work related things. I also recommend blocking off specific times. Routine really does matter guys. I know quarantine has killed everybody's routine. Trust me, it has mine too. But I do recommend designating specific calendar blocks for your classes. This is way easier if you do have video conferences for your classes, but if you don't, block off some time on that calendar and don't allow yourself to do anything with that time other than what you designated it for. I even have internet scrolling time scheduled on my calendar because I then know I can see that on the calendar and I go, okay, if I finish these three priority tasks for my classes and my job, then I can have internet scrolling time at the end of it all. But I can't scroll the internet until I finish everything else on my to-do list. It's kind of bribing yourself but it works as long as you have the self-control to not just scroll the internet anyway. Tip number six kind of goes along with the last tip in terms of time management, and that is to use the Pomodoro method. If you are unfamiliar with the Pomodoro method, it's basically using intervals to work and have breaks. I will try to find an article on it that explains it more in depth and link it somewhere on this video or podcast, whichever you're listening to. But basically the way Pomodoro works is that you set a timer for the standard is 25 minutes, you work for those 25 minutes, you break for five minutes, then you work for another 25 minutes. This means that you're sort of splitting up your day so it's not just 12 hours of reading for your classes, but you're not allowing yourself enough break time that you can say, start a Netflix show and then fall down the rabbit hole of Netflix. You have just enough time to get up, make coffee, throw the ball for your dog a couple times, and then you've got to come back and focus some more. It also helps you stay more focused on what you need to be doing in my experience because it is split up so you don't have that I've been working for four hours and I'm going to lose my mind feeling. It's like a, if I just work for 25 minutes, then I can have a five minute break and come back kind of situation. And in my experience, it actually improves my focus and I don't get as mentally drained at the end of a class day if I do this. There are apps that'll let you set a Pomodoro interval. Personally, I just use ALEXA or Siri to set my timers and that way I have control of when they're starting. I will also occasionally split it and do work for 20, break for 10, or work for 30, break for 10, depending on my mental state in a given day. Tip number seven is attend all the meetings. If there is a video conference happening for your class, it does not matter if it is just an optional thing where you can ask questions, make up a question and attend that video conference. I promise you will gain something from it, even if it is just 
brownie points for participating, you will gain something from that video conference. If your class meets every day, even if those lectures are recorded, go attend the live session, if at all possible. Because then you get that interactive quality that you don't get from watching a video embedded in Blackboard. If you attend video conferences regularly, it really does somewhat simulate attending a physical class on campus as much as it possibly can, and you get to interact with your professor on a more personal level than just email, and occasionally interact with some of your classmates as well, which can help you feel more engaged with the material and less likely to get sidetracked by Netflix. Tip number eight is to figure out the testing situation before you actually have to deal with the testing situation. By this I mean how are your tests going to be delivered for each class? It is probably not going to be the same for every class. Are they going to just be in Blackboard? Are they open book, open note? Are they in Respondus Lockdown Browser? Are they in ProctorU? Do you need to install extra stuff and test it to make sure it works with your screen reader? Are there any accommodations that you need to apply to this test that you don't need to apply to anything else in the class? Understand what you're in for at the beginning of the semester so that it isn't two days before the test and you're going, I have never used this software before in my life. What is this? How do I use it? And, oh no, it doesn't work. What am I going to do? I can tell you for sure that Respondus Lockdown Browser is accessible on the Mac. The last time I tried to use it on Windows, it was not accessible. That was a couple years ago. ProctorU is doable on the Mac, but it is an absolute nightmare, and if you can avoid it, I recommend avoiding it. I don't know how it is on Windows. I have never tried it, but I'm assuming it is a similar situation. And if it's a test within Blackboard, it's probably pretty accessible as long as the content of the test is accessible. Obviously, if it's just text, then it's going to work, but if there's pictures, you might want to talk to your professor about that and make sure they have alt text or that you get tactile copies of those pictures. Tip number nine is to download and annotate everything. If there is a file in Blackboard that is downloadable, download it and read it and write a summary of it. In an online class, a lot of your grade is probably going to be based off of the files that your professor provides. The textbook, if there is one, is probably going to be more utilized than it might be in an on-campus class, but if your professor puts a file in Blackboard, you should probably read it because it is probably important and it will probably show up on a test later. Personally, what I do is for all the files that are in Blackboard, I read them and I summarize them to make sure that I understand them. And if I do not understand them, then I ask my professor if they can summarize them and help me understand them. And this has been a great saver on a lot of quizzes and tests. Also, if you have quizzes that are within Blackboard and not within Respondus Lockdown Browser, you can save the HTML page of that quiz so that you can go back and see the questions and your answers later. Sometimes you need to save the quiz before you submit it so that it saves all of your responses, but sometimes once you submit it, it will show you your correct responses or the correct responses to the questions you missed. On the Mac, if you hit Command S, it will let you save an HTML file with the questions and the correct responses. And I believe it's either Alt S or Control S in Firefox on Windows will do the same thing. But a lot of times professors will recycle quiz questions on future exams and this is a quick and easy way as a screen reader user to have access to those questions for future studying. Obviously a SIDA student could just screenshot 
out the quiz, this is our version of accessible screenshotting. And tip number 10, my final tip is to watch for extra credit assignments. A lot of times in online classes, professors will post surveys and just short little things that can earn you some extra points here and there that they might not necessarily give you if you were in a physical classroom. Take the surveys. Even if you have 100 in the class at the moment, take the extra credit opportunity because again, that shows that you are engaged with the content and you care about the class and those extra credit points might save you later when you have an issue with an exam and don't do so great. If it's inaccessible, ask the professor for an alternative assignment. Even though it is extra credit, you have as much right to take that extra credit opportunity as your sighted peers and most professors will probably be happy to accommodate you. So ask them, say hey, this assignment of finding a picture on Google Images and writing the sociological implications of it is not accessible to me because I can't see pictures on Google Images. Can you maybe give me a scenario and I'll sociologically analyze it? This not only gets you some extra credit points, but it also shows not just the professor, but the access office and a lot of people at your school that even though you are visually impaired and you do face barriers, you are serious about your education and you want equal access to education and it basically just shows them that you are serious and eventually enough people doing that will hopefully help level the playing field in general and hopefully at some point people won't have to ask for modifications for online classes and they'll just always be accessible because there really is no reason for them to not be. Okay, that is the last of my online learning tips. Hopefully this was helpful. If you found it helpful, please give this video a thumbs up and subscribe to the Challenge Solutions channel so that the YouTube algorithm will continue to know that we exist. If you have questions for me or your own online learning tips, please leave them in the comments below so that we can all see them and learn from each other. Also, I will have a written list of these tips in a blog post that will be linked in the description if you want to see a text-based copy instead of just listening to me talk. If you have suggestions for future content, please send us an email via challengesolutions.org or leave a comment on this video. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the Challenge Solutions podcast because there may be content over there that does not make it to YouTube. All of those links will be in the description below. Thank you for watching and I will see you in another Challenge Solutions video.